Our scripture reading today will be, as just prayed for, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And I know that Graham put the text in his prayer to make sure I actually announced the right text this week, not like last week. So good work, Graham. 1 Thessalonians 4. For those of you who uh, are just joining us this week because you're friends and family for the baptism, you just landed in the middle of a two-week sex sermon series. So either sorry or you're welcome, depending on how you experience this. 1 Thessalonians 4. Hear God's word. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord to do this more and more. For you know that what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Now, about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. This is the word of the Lord. If you are highly observant, you're going to notice that I changed the title. It was Sexuality and Spirituality, but it changes to sex and spirituality because we're not talking about your gender identity and those kinds of conversations. We're actually talking about the activity of sex um, this morning. Structure. As you know, I always like to show you what's going on in the passage. I want you to know more what the Bible says than you are aware of what I'm saying about the Bible. And so I want you to see in this passage that it's structured three paragraphs and it's an ABA where the, it begins with praise of these people, then there's a push for these people, and then it goes back to praise for these people. So I call that a praise and push sandwich. So maybe if you're having a Super Bowl party, you can have praise and push sandwiches as your feature food. I'm not sure. It's a free idea if you want to use it. So he starts with praise. As we go through this passage, I want you to sit deeply in the first part, which is praise for how amazing these people are, before we get to the middle part, which is the challenging part about, about sex, right? So he says, we instructed you on how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. So be very clear that in this passage, Paul is saying to these Thessalon, Thessalon, I can't say that, these people, he's saying to them, you are doing a great job of following Jesus. You are, in fact, living in a way that pleases God. So you all know it's going to come in the middle, but hear this part first. 
all right? Then he says, now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. And I call this graduated growth, right? As you go through school, right, when you are done grade 8, you graduate because you've already accomplished grade 8, right? And you graduate, you move up to the next level because you already know how to do those things. You need to move on to doing the next things. I remember my son, he's probably not listening so I can talk about him. That's his mother laughing about him, <laughs> in case you're wondering. My son in grade eight got in trouble for being ready to be in high school. That's how I translated it anyways. He was doing things that would have been fine if he was in high school already, but he wasn't, and so he was in trouble in his grade school. He needed to graduate, he needed to move up to the next level. In your journey of following Jesus, you, we all, need to continually be on this graduated growth thing. Right? Some of the stuff I wrote in, in my uh, news to you this week was about that simple reality. You are not meant to be in baptized like Rihanna and then, well, oh, she's baptized, she's done. Right? Baptism is an invitation into community and a community which will guide you, prompt you, encourage you, bless you, support you as you continue to grow. Many, many years ago already, I, I received this um, image word that I found very helpful. If you are a living organism, and you are, if you're alive, if you are not growing, you're dead. Right? If you're not growing, you're dead. If you don't continue to eat and slough off some old cells and bring in some new cells and all those processes that your biological body does every single day, if you don't do those things, you're dead. Simple, right? That's what the spiritual life of all of us is all about as well. Right? If we do not continue to be stretched, to grow, to um, live further into whatever God has in store for us, do the more and more that this passage talks about, then our spirituality is dead. Keep on growing is the basic process of being a Christian. It's not for special Christians to go on and grow and grow and grow. Keep on going to school. And then planned spiritual growth. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. So Tony's here, so I'm going to ask him. Hi, Tony. Thanks for being a participant in the show today. You've taught catechism a number of times, I'm assuming. I knew you had. And justification and sanctification, do you teach that? Can you on the spot give me the difference between the two? Wow, I'm going to say that out loud again if I can. Big hand, yeah, that's right. You got to clap that I asked him, so I'm not asking you, right? That, uh, if just for that reason. Justified is to live as if I have not sinned, or to be made as if I have not sinned. And sanctified is to grow in that journey, to become more and more like Christ, right? So, all of us who believe in Jesus Christ, through baptism as we saw today, are justified. We are, we're washed clean, so it looks to God like we had never sinned, right? Very important to hang on to that. When God looks at you, you've been washed clean in Jesus Christ by faith, boom, there you are. But we all recognize we're still on this growth journey that I just talked about, and sanctification is the recognition that even though you are already clean in God's eyes, you need to continue to live into, live up to, if you will, that process of being made holy in Christ, right? That's God's plan. That's why we don't stop. That's why we keep growing, because it's God's will that we keep on being sanctified. Now, one of the areas of life 
in which we need to continue to be sanctified is the area of sex. So planned sexual growth goes with planned spiritual growth. And, as Paul says here, that you should avoid sexual immorality. Now, the Bible uses the term sexual immorality on, on a number of occasions, quite a few occasions, right? And here, anyways, it's translating the word in Greek, porneia, which you can probably hear porn in there. Pornography comes from that word, right? And it's that, it's that misused, misunderstood, or abused use of your sexuality. Um, then he goes on to say that, you should, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, right? Um, always appreciate pointing out that he's saying, this is about how you manage your own sexuality. We do like to talk about what other people are doing and point fingers and those kinds of things, but the primary task for each of us, of course, is to always work on our stuff for ourselves. Um, what else do I want to say about this? It's a tough topic, you know. You've got to work your way carefully to not say the wrong things and get in trouble. Um, as, we, as we think about our sex, um, our sex life, our realities, I want to encourage us to recognize that when God calls us into healthy living, he calls us to grow into the most healthy, open, honest, and of course, within the right boundaries of marriage relationship that we can possibly have. All right? And as we go through this passage, I want you to remind you again that at the beginning of this passage, what he said was, you guys are doing an outstanding job of living according to God's will. Now, I want you to keep growing, and one of the areas I want to keep growing in is your understanding of, of your sexuality. He's not talking to people who are living way over the edge, right? He's talking to people who are already following Christ and are being praised for that reality. But they got to keep working on this part of their life as well. By the way, the, it's sometimes said, and this is, you know this is a sermon in preparation for small group conversations, right? So some of the things I'm going to say in here, there's lots of room for you to discuss them further amongst each other at home or with your small group. So it's often said that, that the people that Paul is talking to, and I think this is correct, lived in a pagan world, that word comes up in the next verse, right? And in that pagan world... Um, sex was actually part of what they did for, for worship, right? Um, their religion included sexual activity. And so there's a whole different world going on there than probably most of us would think of experiencing. Now, often when preachers talk about this, they say, yeah, that's just like our world. And maybe, I'll give space for that. But I want to remind you again that we're not talking about everybody out there. Our conversation needs to be about what's going on in my world and in my life. So it's all fine and dandy if I as a preacher can say, you know, we live in a horribly sexually confused world, and isn't that awful? Good start. Our real job is, what is your conversation? What are you doing? Um, how are you supporting each other, and how are you growing in your own relationships um, in this way? I will leave it at that. Sex can become religious. Not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. Again, I have not ever heard anybody in any church that I've served basically decide that they were going to go public with the fact that it's okay to do whatever you want sexually. All right? That is not the issue for us. I was quite pleasantly surprised, to be honest, yesterday when I heard on the news that uh, Mayor John Tory of Toronto had stepped down because he had an adulterous affair. 
that a man who, I don't know his religious, he's never publicly that I've heard, stated his religious background, but he made that move automatically. Now, I do understand there's a whole power dynamic thing going on. The affair he had was with somebody who was, um, he was their superior, right? And so that power abuse was part of that journey. But the fact that our world assumes that that's not okay, and that that mayor automatically says, I need to step down, I think that's at least a good recognition of a good set of boundaries, right? Again, I don't want to say that our world has it all together. That's not even close to what I want to say. But do recognize that the Christian background influence in Canada actually has managed to give us people like John Tory, whether he's Christian or not, who understand that's not allowed. Now, as an aside, it raises a whole bunch of questions of a whole bunch of other things that are allowed, but we're not going to go there today. But the fact that John Tory said, this happened, I did it, I'm stepping down, I think has something that we can go, good, I'm glad those boundaries are in place in our culture, right? The world of the Thessalonians was not that world. Their mayor never would have stepped down. Their mayor probably would have been praised for having had an affair, right? So we're talking about, and we always got to be aware, when we're reading biblical passages, we're talking about people who lived in a world very much different than ours, right? Where religion was um, a religious cult, if you will, and passionate lust of the pagans was, that was exactly it. That was their religion. That's what was promoted, all right? And so as we understand these things, we understand it in that context um, and in that story. And that in this matter, Paul writes, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. And again, when you hear that, you're recognizing the people that Paul is talking to live in a world where overpowering somebody sexually was part of what went on. And he's saying, there's no room for that, right? So let's make this into the positive, which is you need to understand that all of your relationship, all of your healthy marriage relationship with your partner is about servanthood is about laying your, down your life for the other person, is about making sure that everything you do in your relationship, including your sex relationship, is about serving that other person, right? So like in last week's story, the story of, of the rape of Tamar, we recognized there was a power abuse there. There was a forcing that was going on there. There was a lack of understanding that what he thought was love wasn't because it didn't serve and carry and honor and take care of the other person person first, and that's the thing that needs to be worked out in servanthood, which is the core of every loving relationship in Christ. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Now, when we hear purity, maybe you've heard of um, the purity culture, the purity movement, which is where the church gets um, very focused on making sure that kids, younger people, wait until marriage before they have sex, which is a good thing to teach, right? I want to suggest to you that we need to have a broader teaching than that when we teach about sex. If all you ever grow up in in church hearing about sex is that you shouldn't do it until you get married, right, and you never have a conversation about God actually created the feelings that you're having and that you need to process those with somebody, then you're going to grow up thinking that sex is bad, Right? And this has been shown. In fact, I've had a conversation with somebody who, for the first part of their marriage, could not engage in healthy sexual activity with their partner, even though they were married, 
because all they'd ever heard growing up was basically sex is bad. And so it scarred them and it made them unable to, right? We need a broader conversation is what I'm saying, right? The boundaries that we understand are true and good, right? But the conversation is much bigger than don't do it till you're married, right? It's understanding that, um, so I've taught this to your youth. I just admit that in public. I taught this to your youth. The Bible never says don't have sex before you're married. There's no verse. Isn't that stunning? So make sure, and I also said this to your youth, I'm not saying that means you can do whatever you want whenever you want. I'm just saying the Bible doesn't specifically talk about that. Why? Because in the Bible, when you turn 13 or so, as a woman, a girl, your dad decided who you were going to marry, maybe got some livestock in exchange for you. Sorry, women, I'm just stating history, right? Not suggesting anything for today. And in doing so, this, and this transaction took place so that you were now married to some guy you may have met, you may have known, but you didn't fall in love with him. So the idea that you would have sex with somebody before you got married makes no sense in the biblical context because you might not even be that excited about it when it was allowed in your marriage. It happened to you, okay? So being a bit explicit about a very different cultural situation again to which the Bible speaks which just tells us we really need to have good conversations about now because nobody here wants their kid to get married at 13, right? Never mind 20, right? Never mind 22 when I got married, right? All those, those, those times have been expanded. What do we do with the 13 till 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 27 is the average age now, I think, for people getting married? What do you do in that time with the fact that you were created as a sexual being and you have desires that God gave you but you are not in marriage yet, right? We have to have that conversation if we're going to have a healthy community around the idea of sex and being obedient to God. And by the way, you see those words up there. This includes, when we talk about the purity list, right, we, we get on this one, and our denomination had a whole discussion in the last few years, as you probably know, about human sexuality called the HSR to many of us. But how about things like greed and gossip? Why do we not have 200-page documents outlining when you stepped over the line in greed? Because every time the Bible talks about sexual immorality, either slander, gossip, or greed is on that same list, right? And this leads me to wonder, and I'm only wondering this, this is for discussion purposes, what if the church is too worried about sex? And by worried, I mean anxious, right? Because God says, do not be anxious about anything, which includes the world of our sex lives, right? What if, the, what if the church is just a bit too focused on this area, and maybe not focused enough on things like, how do we spend our money? How do we not look greedy to people who live in the other side of the world where they don't have what we have, right? How do we deal with the fact that all kinds of stuff gets said to each other on a very regular basis that definitely constitutes gossip? Because you're talking about somebody else's life without their permission, Right? And how do we balance these things so that we are either equally concerned in a healthy way about all of these topics, equally open to talking about all of them, right? Or maybe calming down on all of them, whichever way we need to go, as you understand that. Talk about that in your small groups at home along the way. What if the church is too worried about sex? Living in Philadelphia. Now you know who I'm going for in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Snuck that in there. 
Now about your love for one another, your Philadelphia, that's where the word comes from, your brotherly love, right? Um, I am assured by all people who know Greek way better than I do that Philadelphia is not a male term, it's not brotherly love as in only men, right? It's Philadelphia is people in um, fellowship of love with each other. So again, the passage starts with praise for these people, moves into all the stuff we just talked about around sexual immorality, and now says, Look, your love for each other, we don't even need to write to you about this. You guys are nailing this. You're knocking it out of the park. You've been taught by God to love each other, and in fact, you are doing this in a wonderful way. And I'm going, is this really the same group of people in the same passage? You're doing great. Watch out all that sexual immorality. You've got to get rid of that because God's not happy with that part. You're doing great at loving each other. One conclusion we at least have to come to is these people had a pretty messy reality. And if you come to that conclusion with me, I hate to break it to you, so do we. So do we. Right? So I will gladly stand up here and say, you know what, you folks, those of you that I know that have shared some of your story with me, I think you are following Jesus with great amounts of integrity. And I'd also say to you, you got a lot of stuff to work on. Right? That's how this Christian journey goes. Some of us need to work on sexual immorality issues, pornography and so on, right? Other of us need to work on greed. Other of us need to work on gossip. We need to keep growing, but all of these conversations then need to be in the open to a healthy degree with the people with whom we walk and learn. Always room to grow. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia, because that's where Thessalonica is, Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more and more and more. It's the second time Paul has said that. That would be a great theme for a church discipleship movement. More and more, right? Keep on learning more and more. So, a few conclusions. Sex is one area of spirituality. Your sexuality is connected to your spirituality. Rob Bell has a book called Sex, period, God, period. And in there, there's the line, this is about that. And the this is sex, and the that is spirituality. Who you are as a sexual creature has everything to do with how you function in your spirituality, right? That and this next slide are a whole nother sermon. Your sexuality is deeply connected to your spiritual identity, and I'm only going to do one sermon today because it's already, oh, I have the time on here. It's 10.58, so I need to wrap up. But this, please, find healthy places to talk and grow on this and other aspects of love more and more. Find healthy places, safe places, people you trust, right, to be able to have these conversations and through those conversations to actually stretch yourself and be stretched and the first stretching point is just being honest about where you're at and what you're dealing with, right? As well as all the other aspects of love in this sort of more and more way. So when I taught the youth about um, biblical sexuality, my conclusion was simply this. You've got to figure out between your age now and when you get married how you're going to deal with the fact that you have sexual desire, right? And my high recommendation is that you find safe people to have that conversation with. And one person, don't worry, I won't name your name, said... Pastor Eric, is that a suggestion or a rule? That's a great question, by the way. 
And I said, because you asked, it's a rule. I can't make you do anything. I can suggest to you that healthy spirituality in all areas grows when you have a level of honesty and openness and support that allows you to be truly yourself. And I don't just say this. I do this. I'm in a group of uh, pastors. It's called Faith Walking. Right? We deal with who we are in very real ways. And I mentioned the Super Bowl. I'm going to watch the Super Bowl with some of my pastor friends this afternoon. All right? And after that, we go hang around together. It's my, one of my favorite weekends of the year. Pastor's weekend starts Sunday, goes till Tuesday. Um, and we share with each other, this is what's going on in my life. And we all know each other well enough that if I say, yeah, everything's fine. Yeah, they're not taking that. Right? There's a push. There's deeper questions. They said, we're going to call Ruth Ann. We know her too. We'll ask her what's really going on in your life. And then we pray about those things for and with each other. We need, all of us need, those kinds of places to grow. Because I've been doing this preaching thing for quite some time, so I know, I know how this works. The sermon works like this. You hear this, and your first conversation on the way out with somebody you know is, what did you think? And then your options are, I liked it or I didn't like it. That's cool. That's a great start. None of that reshapes who you are and how you live, right? The reason we do the small group thing or the other conversations, things, wherever you go, is because somewhere in here, you get to say, I should be working on that too. I need to take that next step as well. And I highly encourage you to do that, right? And you'll need each other because you can't all meet with me this week because I'll be away, okay? Let's pray for that. Jesus, you have created us just as we are with all kinds of thoughts and feelings and um, desires, and you call us also to use those appropriately in ways that bless and serve others. And Lord, for all of us, that's sometimes hard and confusing, and we all know that we make mistakes and we slip up and we sin. But we pray that you would also give us places where we can be honest, where we can confess, where we can share, where we can be heard and loved, where we can hear words of forgiveness, and where we can move forward. So we simply pray, Lord Jesus, that conversations that take place with the questions around this uh, sermon series and conversations we have along the way with our brothers and sisters in you would truly be places of Philadelphia, brotherly love, where we can hear and love and care for one another and grow on this journey. This we pray in your holy name. Amen.